Hello and welcome to the Learn Chinese Insights podcast, brought to you by ChineseLearnOnline.com, your progressive online Mandarin course. In each episode, I interview someone who has learned Chinese as a second language to find out how they learned it and, more importantly, what they're doing with it these days. In this episode, I'm happy to have Aaron Simmons with me. Uh, Aaron, before we get started, can you give us a short introduction in Chinese, and then we'll go from there. Okay. Now, I have a Chinese name, which is Su Ang Rui. But Yi 然后我开始是2006年在青岛大学开始专门学中文 那现在，我以前是教美语，教了好几年，但是一直都是同时呃在中文这方面有进步。那今几年我开始从美语就是开始转成变成一个业务，一个业务人员，然后就是。几个月前，我是刚开了我自己的公司，它是多元国际顾问公司。我们做语言培训，就是我们做商品、口译翻译，还有那个实业策划、企业资讯。然后，对，到目前就这样。Okay, good. Long intro. But yeah, we'll we'll get into it. So uh, you you said you've been studying Chinese for ten years. Yes. And you started in in China. Yeah, in Qingdao. What uh, brought you to China in the first place? Where were you before that? Well, I was in studying in Missouri State University, and I was you know studying a liberal arts degree. I realized okay. I'm studying traditional Chinese religion. If I don't have a solid foundation in the language, uh, then I'm going to be almost useless. So you just packed up and moved to China. Yeah, we had a. My university had two exchange programs: one with Dalian and one Qingdao. I talked to the students that came back, and the ones from Dalian said it was really easy. And the one that seemed out was really hard, so I wanted the challenge. Oh, that's good, because some people might go with the easy one, right? I figured if I wanted the easy route, I could just stay in Missouri and goof around. Right, makes sense. Uh, so, how was that experience? Uh, that had been my first time leaving the country, so um, 
really the first two weeks I was there, every morning I would have to wait. I would wake up and go, where am I? <laughs> what is this? Go- what's going on here? And then it'd take me a little while to realize, oh, yes, I really am halfway across the world. So before going there, you had no Chinese background? And, uh, I studied one I studied one semester in the States, big waste of my time, very little retention. So by the time I, I, I put it off for a year, and by the time I went, all I had was, Ni hao, xie xie, zai jian, er san. That's all I had going into this intensive program. And, and how was the program itself? Was it beneficial? Uh, yeah, it was super, super beneficial. In the morning, four hours of classes. Uh, in the afternoon, you're going to get like a good two to three hours of homework every day to keep up with the class. And then, because everybody wants to practice their English with me, and my Chinese isn't good yet, I have to hire tutors to help me with the speaking practice. Coming from the States... I was very overwhelmed by the amount of work. And how long was this program? It was one year. And by the end of the year, I was firmly established in my Chinese. Well on the way. I mean, I'd established both quality literacy and speaking, listening comprehension skills. Like you would consider yourself fluent? At that point, I wouldn't be fluent. I was about... Mm, intermediate to upper uh, upper intermediate hmm. all right so what did you do after that uh, I finished my degree I had one year left on my degree and then I went back to Qingdao after I finished my degree because I still didn't feel like my Chinese was to a level to be able to do professional translation interpreting work so that yeah. was that was your goal then to do to get into that field yeah after sitting a year in China I lost a lot of my interest in religious studies because in China, they're mainly atheistic and they don't really care about this aspect of their tradition. The communists kind of wiped out that interest level. So, okay, so you went back and then you continued the program? Uh, I, I went back to the same program, but as an independent student, then I found that going to I went and shopped around because now I was spending my own money and found a the Ghost Language Institute and they were much better uh, much better for the money I was paying. Then, yeah, then I started uh, working part-time as, as a teacher in the afternoons and a student, an independent student in the mornings. Hmm. All right, so how did you end up from there in, into to Taiwan? Or was there anything in between? Yeah, there's a lot of in between. Um, make it short, I got tired of uh, China because, I, I don't know, have you been to China before? I've just been to Hong Kong. I haven't been uh, to actual okay. China. Yeah, uh, they, they have no qualms with pointing out the fact that you're a foreigner and talking about you in public like you're an animal at a zoo. So after many years, it just kind of gets tiresome. So I left, and I do, gave a Do you sh- think that's representative of everywhere in China, or just the particular place you're in? I was in a second-tier city. I guess it's better in a first-tier city, but 
Qingdao is a city of about 7.5 million people. Okay. And like in Taiwan here, I, do, I don't have no, I have no issues with this. It's great. Hmm. All right. So you had, you had uh, done some research and thought Taiwan would be a, a more comfortable place for you? Yeah. And I was right. I came to Kaohsiung because Taipei, the expensive, fast-paced life, Kaohsiung was just my, my number one choice. Right. And so you've been there ever since? Yeah. I've been in Kaohsiung now for a little over a year. Okay. So then you, you mentioned that uh, you started teaching there. Well, I didn't start teaching there. My first job was with a, a cram school, but they didn't want – they wanted me as a teacher, but I didn't like the the pay and the hours and location. And they said, well, how about this? You have a language and a little bit of management experience. How about you just manage the, the cram school? I'm like, oh, well, I like that. And so – and I started – Managing the school, which is quite a bit different than working as a teacher in the school. So this managing, like managing other employees? Yeah, managing general operations. And are these uh, local Taiwanese or are there other foreigners? There are other foreigners and local Taiwanese. So do, how is that uh, compared to like working with local Taiwanese as far as the working culture goes, is there, did you find any difference there versus what you've experienced in the West? Uh, yeah, I, the indirectness, the indirectness is a little hard to, um, to navigate because what they say and what they're actually thinking may be two completely different things and trying to decide which one's which. And then in the end, having to hear from somebody else that they said something behind your back and now I finally know the real reason. It's it's very different than a more direct communication style in the West. Now, does that work the other way too? Like since you're in management, do they prefer that you're not direct with them? Yeah, yeah. I I had to change my my management style quite a bit because yeah, we lost a couple employees just because I was too direct. And then I was like, oh, after my the boss told me, I was like, oh, crap, I'm going to have so, to change. So can so, you give me an example of, of uh, an approach that you would have used before and then you changed and what your new approach was? Oh, like if I need to give somebody a task, having to give somebody a task is pretty easy. But it needs to be more of a suggestion like wow this these papers here these files here look a little messy you know? it'd be really nice if um, you know we could sprue we could you know tidy them up a bit uh, Jenny can um, would you mind helping me with this <laughs> it's very soft and indirect in approaching whereas before I'd be like hey this is messy please take care of that and that offends people <laughs> and I didn't realize it when you're talking to them like in this type of situation do you use English or Chinese um, it depends like when I'm dealing with parents mm. it's, it's all in Chinese then dealing with um, the employees it was all English teaching environment so I had to use English except in meetings 
So it's the same thing with parents. Like if you have a real issue with one of their kids that you have to bring it up there also, you can't be direct. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, <laughs> it's like a dance to get your message across. But now I don't do that anymore. Yeah. See, from the, the other point of view, I would find that very annoying. If somebody's talking to me that way, I'd like, what's the point that you want to convey? I'd prefer people are direct with me, but of course that's the Western way. Yeah. Halfway through that, that school had a tendency to change their minds, like the boss and the boss's wife, and they would just change their minds regularly. Halfway through my, halfway through my, um, my contract, uh, we decided to change from cram school to opening an international consulting company. Hmm. Okay. Because they had, they had one corporate client that they'd been, they'd been teaching, but they were just really good friends with them. So they were able, they just trusted each other. But I was, they asked me, well, let's try to get some more corporate clients. And the first one I tracked down really liked the idea of hiring us on to provide their company with training, but they didn't want to deal with a cram school because it's viewed as a generally low, it's not a real company. It's a pretend school. It's kind of mm -hmm. just the general view of it isn't worthy of a legitimate company. Okay. So my boss then opened up a international trading company. Now, did you have the skills to provide the, the type of consulting that they required? Um, a lot of the consulting they required is, one, my language skills, very helpful. Two, um, the f even though it has, very has nothing to do with religious studies, my background in a research-based major means if I don't know the answer to the problem, I'm going to start researching it. And then it's just about portraying the information, the answers that I've discovered in my research to the client. So you, en you enjoyed the process? Yeah. That and also is a good chance for me to continue to improve my Chinese skills because um, now I'm working with contracts. I'm actually working in 100% Chinese and it's to quite an advanced level, so it's really a challenge, which is what anybody needs to improve their language skills. It's a challenge. Now, you mentioned that from there you eventually ended up starting your own company? Yeah, I, I really didn't like the fact that my boss and his wife constantly miscommunicating and changing things on the fly. It made for a really awkward, really f uncomfortable working environment. So after my contract was over, I decided, well, I've developed these skills and I've developed these connections and I've, I now understand how to, f how to track down leads, how to follow them. And then I know after a, a meeting or two, what they want from me to support their company. So I decided that I, with an uh, ex-coworker of mine, we partnered together to 
open diversify international so what are those some of the type of services that you offer um we provide of course the business we provide corporate business english training which i it's quite a bit different than working at a cram school because you're actually you're making connections as you're teaching that pays also better. And let's see, we also provide translation, uh, interpreting. Um, we also offer service, like just general consulting services. Let's see, for example, I had a, a reference, a referred customer that didn't realize that I could do other things than teaching and she had a a order from a company in Canada that she wasn't sure whether she should you know cooperate with them and send them the samples that they were requesting so she asked me my opinion I told her my professional opinion she said well I already knew that but we like I was telling her, okay, well, we're going to work with an escrow account and just take a letter of credit so that it minimizes you know, the, the risk you're taking by using a third party. She goes, yeah, but oftentimes they just disappear, and then we wasted our time and resources. And so I go, okay, well, give me a couple days, and I'll get back with you. And so I got in. To the Better Business Bureau, got through to the Better Business Bureau. They had no records of this company. I got into their, I, double, I backtracked their IP address for the website they were sh sh uh, showing us, and they had the the registering company uh, hidden. It was masked by a third party com company that does stuff like that, and so these were all just red flags that. It wasn't legit, so I went back and told her, and now that company and ours are now in. You know, I'm on retainer to to consult on any issues they have in the future. So really, consulting can be a lot of things, but pretty much what it is, it's going to be a research project. Hmm, interesting. So when you approach companies like this. Are they taken aback by you being a foreigner? Like, would they be more comfortable working with a local Taiwanese person, or is there no issue that way? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, really, I don't approach many companies directly because that's not how the business environment in Taiwan works. I have to do a lot of networking. I go to uh, business seminars or professional organization groups or just go with clients to their friends tea party or um, just social drinking or whatever it's just the best way to get a good client is through a referral not directly approaching a company right it's all about relationships yeah it very much is Hmm, okay, fascinating. So looking back on this entire journey that you've gone through from learning Chinese uh, through the work environment uh, that you've gone through, is there anything that you would have done differently 
I would have started earlier. I wouldn't have wasted my time trying to even trying to learn Chinese in the States. I would have just gone directly to China as on the program rather than wasting my time in frustration. Now, as far as going to China versus going to Taiwan, would you recommend one over the other or are they both equally beneficial? Mm, let's see. It really depends on what you like. I personally prefer Taiwan because when here were little children uh, point and say, hey, why go around? You kinda, kinda. Uh, their parents say, oh, and so they grow up and they learn that they're not supposed to point out people's differences, whereas in China, it's really common practice. And there are a lot of other things, but that's for me as a foreigner, that's a big issue because I just want to be accepted and work smoothly within the environment rather than always being singled out as a foreigner. And as far as making the switch from simplified to traditional, were there any problems with that? Um, oh well, yeah, it's just, it's just like anything else. It requires study and practice. I started about three months prior to coming. I got a big book of, um, it's like a big book from the college library of uh, just different articles. And on left side, it was in simplified. And on the right side, it was traditional. And so I would just sit there usually for mm, about an hour a day and just go back and forth reading and comparing so by the time I got here, I was already on a good footing. It still took time to get used to it. Actually, traditional wasn't my biggest hurdle when I came here. The biggest hurdle I had was accent. Really? Uh, having a... Qingdao is in northern China, so have a very typical Beijing-esque accent. The Erhua. Yeah. And whenever I would talk, people would laugh at me because the Chinese, the Taiwanese really don't like the Chinese in general. Sure. And so the, when I would talk, they would just think it's hilarious and they wouldn't actually be listening to what I'm saying. So I had to change my accent to be taken seriously as well as learn to understand the local accent because a lot of words like and there's not a big or even any difference between these sounds so whenever someone's speaking at a very high speed it makes comprehension really a chore that is that was actually the biggest hurdle in getting getting on board with language in, in Taiwan but you seem to have adapted, eh? So now when you speak, uh, I don't hear any of that. Yeah, yeah, of course, because being in sales, I don't want people to think I'm a joke. I want them to listen to what I'm saying and um, 
view me as a serious option, not a clownish foreigner. Okay, thank you. That was a very fascinating look at your journey. Um, before we go, are there any links you want to share if uh, people are interested in what you do or want to get in touch with you? Yeah, sure. I have two. I have my link for Diversify International Consulting because we don't just deal with companies here. We also have, we also help uh, manufacturers and clients make connections. So if you're in another country and you have some product that you'd like to bring into the Chinese speaking market and we can help you get in or if you would like to source products from Taiwan or China then you can contact us and we can help you there too I also have um, the multilingual children's association which I'm the chairman of yeah the second organ association I uh, started but as soon as I came to Taiwan as an open, interesting alternative for helping students to learn English for free, as well as Taiwanese. So in that one, actually, uh, I get to use my Taiwanese skills, which are really poor. Wow, that's, that'll be interesting to see. Okay, well, yeah, we'll we'll put these links in there so anyone who wants to follow up can do so. So, yeah, thanks again for your time. Great. Well, it was nice talking to you. Bye.